we begin to release what we term in physiology, the feel-good cocktail. Dopamine, tryptophan, serotonin, endorphins. It floods through the neural net, through the whole body. So you meditate for 20 minutes and you are pumping that kind of feel-good chemistry through your body, through the whole of the body, down the central nervous system, through the brainstem, through the fingertips and the toes. So this kind of energy flowing through your body shifts that mental state. Think of yourself as a person who is providing hypnotherapy or hypnosis, guided visualization, meditation practices for others. Mm-hmm. I know it's my voice you're following or it's I'm following your voice, but you're taking me into a place where my brain can do this for me. This is the Gord Faulkner Podcast, episode number two. My interview with Kathy Welter-Nichols. The power of meditation, guided visualization, and hypnotherapy. You can check the description of this episode to link over and connect with Kathy. Find out more about who she is and what she does. Reading from her website, a few highlights. Kathy has been working with hypnosis, guided visualization, and meditation with clients and groups for over 30 years. She is a registered clinical hypnotherapist, a certified hypnobirthing educator, is certified in hypnofertility, is an NLP licensed trainer, and more. An expert in the field of recovery from bulimia, she is the pioneer of the bulimia breakthrough method, a method she has been working with for over 20 years, assisting people in recovery from this debilitating disorder. She is the winner of the 1999 Volunteer of the Year Award for her years of service to those facing a life-threatening illness working with hospice and at the BC Cancer Agency, both training and facilitating relaxation groups for those individuals and their families. She is the author of Chasing Hunger, the 90-Day Bulimia Breakthrough Challenge, and Meditation for Beginners, and Mindful for Beginners. Before we start the content of this episode, know that these are the highlights. Originally, it was a much longer conversation, and I'm sharing the highlights of this conversation with you. And know you can check the description of this episode and also link over and grab a copy of my book, Social Confidence Made Easy, 60 Transformative Questions to Help You Feel Confident, Be Authentic, and Connect Deeply. And if you get the ebook bundle, you'll get three powerful guided meditations that accompany the book. These audios will help you integrate the lessons from the book into your life even easier, even faster. And if you're a counselor, therapist, life coach, teacher, parent, or anyone that enjoys making a positive difference in other people's lives, you're going to love what you learn from this book because it is full of powerful, positive, transformative questions that you can ask others. You can see the look on their face as they go inside their own mind and begin to make some changes. New perspectives, new thoughts, new feelings, new beliefs, potentially new behaviors that help them be more confident, be more authentic, and connect more deeply with others. 
Does this stuff work all the time? Of course not. Don't be silly. But when you ask people good questions, you're giving them the opportunity to experience perspective shifts, new ways of thinking, new ways of feeling, new ways of believing what's possible, and potentially new behaviors. So this is a good thing. If you're ready, let's dive into the content of episode number two, my interview with Kathy Welter-Nichols, the power of meditation, guided visualization, and hypnotherapy. Enjoy. And I remember doing an exercise in class with you guys about dropping yes. the attention down into the body. I think that might have been to the center of the body, which is powerful as well. But I, I do the heart as well. The heart, the center, even the legs. Actually, I want to share a little, a little exercise I, I recently did a year ago. It might have stemmed from first experiencing this with you guys years ago. But I remember I was going for a walk about a year ago. And uh, I was feeling a dip in my mood. I was a little anxious, a little depressed. And I was frustrated about it because generally speaking, these days I'm not, but I was in a depressive, anxious state of mind. So I went for a long walk and I just, it, it just came to me. I said, well, what part of your body feels good? And I said, well, my legs, my legs feel awesome. I'm a runner. I, I, I'm active. No matter how depressed or anxious I am up here, if I just tune into the feeling of my legs, oh yeah, that feels really good. And so I thought, why not just during my walk, focus on the feeling in my legs mm -hmm. and then tell the other parts of my body, follow that, follow that feeling, follow that I feeling. Within, within two minutes, I was in the most optimistic, happy, comfortable mood I'd been in for a week. I was like, wow. And it, it all dropped down to that. It all yeah. came back to that experience. Uh, well, originally it was that centering exercise we did in, in class, but also mm -hmm. the heart one as well of like the body. Yeah, when we're not in our head, when we're in our body, there's some sort of wisdom that kicks in. Totally. And, and that, that's what I get an image of when you're talking about the shaman inside that and, and people playing and being creative. You're, oh, you're, yeah. You're... Yeah, freeing yourself from all the mental, yeah. previous mental maps, <laughs> if you will, and then you're just dropping back into a new, a new source. When you were flying through time zones, meditate for 20 minutes every hour, hmm. and you will arrive feet on the, on the ground, and you'll be in the right time zone. And so we just now, whenever we're traveling uh, over to Europe, or we, I travel down to Australia and to Peru and even changing time zones in Canada and down in the U.S., which I'm a little more casual with, but I still do it. And um, if I do that, I don't have jet lag. Wow. And it, if you have to present the first day you arrive, you can't have jet lag. <laughs> Wow. So just you know, doing meditating for 20 minutes every hour while you're traveling reduces the experience of jet lag and you. Yeah, completely. It resets your brain because mm. every, for my meditation work and the, the neuroscience of meditation, we know that when we meditate for 20 minutes, you're getting approximately, if you're going deep enough, you're getting approximately about eight hours of sleep. I, I can I can yeah. totally relate to that. There's been times in my life where I've had haven't had enough sleep and I've just made myself sit and meditate. 
before bed for 20 minutes and it just it it's feels well healing but also it feels like yeah just really good for the mind and the body and Uh, when you meditate what happens um and we've got the mris to show us this now um when a person is in meditation versus a person who is in um, just ordinary mindset or even in sleep Mm -hmm. Okay, when we're in meditation, there are differences. And one of the prime differences is, let me show you this, if I can. I think I've actually got one here. I'll just shift up this to show you one. I had it here the other day. There it is. Oh, wow. So that's what happens to your brain. It's kind of hard to explain it, but what we're looking at is a, an image of the brain that's just full of color and it's just alive. It's on. Now, what's happening when the brain is in that state? This is the limbic state. The, the limbic part of the brain is right here, this brain stem. And in the limbic state, we begin to release what we term in physiology, the feel-good cocktail. Dopamine, tryptophan, serotonin, endorphins. It floods through the neural net, through the whole body. Mm. All of these neurons in the brain are connected to all the neurons in the whole of your physiology, and it's everywhere. Mm. And so every cell in your body, and there's trillions of cells in your body, knows the meaning of these chemicals. Mm -hmm. And they have receptors in every cell and every cell is going, woo, give me, give me, give me. And in it goes. So you meditate for 20 minutes and you are pumping that kind of feel good chemistry through your body, through the whole of the body, down the central nervous system, through the brainstem, through the fingertips and the toes. So this kind of energy flowing through your body shifts that mental state. So does walking. Wow. As you're describing this, I realized that when I did that leg exercise, focusing on the, how yes. good my how good my legs felt, this what you're describing there probably just took over that whole process because my totally. whole my whole body just flooded. Yeah. And I, I will sometimes when I do record my guided meditations, I will actually use the language of imagine that healing wash of energy or 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 that or that uh, those good feelings permeating deep into every cell. Uh, so every cell is smiling. I like that. I like that terminology. Yeah, this is cool. So think of yourself as a person who is providing hypnotherapy or hypnosis, guided visualization, meditation practices for others. Mm-hmm. I know it's my voice you're following, or it's I'm following your voice, but you're taking me into a place where my brain can do this for me. Exactly. I love that. So it's like, oh, can you say that again? You're, I'm taking you into a place where your brain can do this for you. It's not me. I'm not doing it for you. Yeah. Your brain knows how to do this. And especially mm-hmm. when we hook it to the deep indrawn breath, mm-hmm. because the belly breath triggers the release of that endorphic rhythm release we get tingles through the body and then the more we focus on the deep breath the more the brain chemistry is flooding through us Mm -hmm. now with mris we are able to see this now 
They put all the big caps and electrodes on people that meditate, like for the duration, like, like monks and stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and they see this exactly Mm -hmm. this. Now here's another really interesting thing with newborn infants. Mm -hmm. They've been able to do an MRI of the infant brain in utero and all those colors, because they can see them as colors on the MRI. All those colors are in a thin band around the brain so the brain itself is kind of like it's dark it's empty there's Mm. nothing happening so it's just this thin band of all these colors around the crown looking into the brain Mm -hmm. the moment the infant opens its eyes takes the first breath in that is what the brain does wow it just goes like that it lights up Mm. And it's so magical to see it. The infant brain is a wonder to itself because it's in such a high growth mode. In nine months, it's taken itself from a microscopic cell to a fully functioning, fully life form, you know, Mm -hmm. as a baby. Mm -hmm. In that next nine months of growth, it's going to change so much. In the first two years of growth of the infant brain, it is moving through something like 10 trillion synaptic connections almost on a daily basis every infant is born with the capability of speaking six thousand languages and the only reason it filters out the language that it's following is because that's what it's learning wow so we're like a wide open computer when we're born capable of all of it neuroplasticity it's yeah, just, that totally. word just popped into my mind. And I, and as you're sharing that with me, I'm kind of going into my own little, what me and Harry talked about on the yeah. interview with him was uh, I'm going into a little learning trance because I'm like, yeah, I'm just, I, love it. I, 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 because I'm aware of, you know, as we talk about the power of a, of a infant's brain and the power of learning and all the possibilities, it feels like I'm experiencing some of that now, uh, yeah. being more open-minded. The- yeah. And that's the keynote here is that previously we were told a load of hooey. Yeah. Yeah. Once you're 22, your brain stops growing. You're done. That's it. Yeah. Or that old, that old, that old, the phrase, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I I figure, yeah. (laughs) If you're flexible and you're curious, that was another thing me and Harry covered with this power of curiosity. If you're curious doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how old I get. I'm going to learn yeah. something. If I'm curious about it and I'm open-minded, I'm going to learn something new. I've actually found that as I get older, it's easier for me to learn mm-hmm. um, um, intellectual stuff, even physical stuff. I'm, I'm better with my body and my agility than I was when I was 20. I'm, I'm more crisp. I'm clear. I'm alert. I'm more aware. Yeah. It feels like I'm, I'm, I'm learning uh, better as I get older. And that was that that was a couple of the other little things you asked me about too is the use of double inductions or double voices. Oh yes. We've used those in many of our trainings or Harry and I are training together and we use it um, now even more frequently in the live trainings for um, NLP and the master practitioner. We start the day with a, a double induction. Mm-hmm. And we end the day with a double induction. And what we do through the day, all of the learnings that we cover in the day 
one of us will take the track of relaxation, mm-hmm. allowing the body to relax, sink into the surface beneath you, letting go, feeling really amazing. Deep breath in and down you go deeper and deeper. Mm-hmm. And a lot of our students like literally lay on the ground, you know, yeah. and they just go out. And then Harry will run through what what the cognizant thought process was for the day. Um, so for instance, if we learned anchoring or we learned the rep systems or submodalities, he will go through what they learned. And especially when we're doing language patterns, because that can be quite dense. Mm-hmm. you know, in the language patterns. And so we we filter those nine major language uh, uh, presuppositions through that trance. Well, Process. you're getting relaxation and you're also getting the left brain information going through at the same time. And in a deeply relaxed state, we know that the right brain and the left brain begin to navigate the brain wave at the same time. It literally crosses the corporal callosum, this brainwave. So now these two are operating at the same rate. This information is going right in. It feels to me, it's like, it's the most, in my experience, one of the most powerful ways to learn. And also the phrase that just popped into my mind was integrated, fully integrated learning. You said the left and the right brain. And another thing that popped into my mind is, most people, when they zonk out into that relaxed state, they're watching like Netflix or social media or movies or 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 even worse, like news. <laughs> and so they're yes. lear- they're learning all of those emotions and ideas and beliefs that that's being bought. Some of it's entertaining, sure, fun. I like Netflix, but they le- people learn when they're relaxed and just kind of in that zone of relaxation. And I experienced that, yeah. And, and I remember learning with you guys, you would do a, f- a few double inductions. And for those of you listening to this that don't know what a double induction is, it's just two voices guiding you into a, either a relaxation and and or learning experience. And as Kathy just mentioned, it can be both. You can relax and learn. And the voices are telling us um, d- slightly uh, co- complementary messages like relaxation with information that we may have gone yeah. over through the day so yeah i find that powerful very powerful it is yeah. and i don't i know that you were with some, a few of the classes where we were in the very last class and harry would do the orchestra of voices to this day i still occasionally a few times a year get flashbacks to that exercise and usually it comes at times in my life where i'm a, a tad stressed or a tad uncertain and i actually remember like six voices around me and Harry was in the back because he's got that deep bassy voice and he would speak a message and yeah, yeah. yeah so it's like quadruple or six, yeah six voices I love that so much I, I was actually telling someone that doesn't know anything about hypnosis or NLP I was telling her I did a little guided meditation for her and she loved it and I told her yeah there was this exercise I did with six <laughs> voices around you telling you encouraging positive things all at once and she her eyes just went like she's like that sounds amazing oh it really is when he does that last piece with everybody on the last day we did one in the last live one we did was in victoria and we had quite a group of people together over there working and we couldn't finish because 
it was COVID came up right in the um, middle of the day, you know? Yeah. So we had to finish up on Zoom. But um, yeah, that was, we, we were using the double inductions there too. And it was pretty powerful for people. But I think the, uh, I think he did do it one day. Yes, he did. Hmm. He asked every, I think it was before we finished because I can remember the group. And he got even more specific as the years have gone on. He'll, he'll say to the person who's sitting in the chair, as we've been together for, you know, seven or eight days, whose voice do you want to say this? Yeah. What word and where should they be placed? That's what I remember when, when we did the exercise. And I oh, that's, there it is. That's, that's what I loved about it is you get to choose, say, the, uh, for lack of a better word, affirmations or encouragement phrases yes. that you hear. Because instinctively, I know, like, I want to hear that phrase on my right and that phrase from my left, that phrase from the back, that phrase from the yeah. front. And uh, the second piece to that was just that that most of the students were learning to use that uh, kind of hypnotic tonality, just the powerful yes. tone. Yeah. And that, that, that affects the emotion as well, the vibration of the tone of voice. Yeah. I actually and, learned yeah. that from you guys. Really. Well, and there's the intention too, you know, yeah. um, behind what you're saying. So mm. the person in the chair got to hear the person say the words in what way, and he could actually direct the tone, the tempo, lower it, slow it. Okay, that's perfect. Nice. Do you know what I mean? I so, do. I mean, that's, it's like fine tuning your stereo system, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Yeah. learning and knowing about it is that yeah people just went into these profound altered states of relaxation mm -hmm. while being guided through an experience that completely changed their lives and i was like uh, hearing that always wow yeah hearing that it was a very powerful reminder for whenever i was feeling stuck in life gordon change your state of mind, if, even yeah. if it's a long walk or a deep meditation or a relaxation, change your state of mind and think something new, basically. Well, yeah. And with the master of deep trance states, because we're entering into the, the deep trance, yeah. we'd go in for 40 to 45 minutes yeah. in the trance, and then we'd have 20 minutes to half an hour break, and we'd do the next one. Yeah. So we're working with a thing called fractionation, which is every time you go deeper in hypnosis, every time you go into a hypnotic trance and you go right in afterwards again, you are going deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. So we do nine of these wow. hmm. over two days. Mm -hmm. And so what ends up happening, Harry and I got into some really fun stuff with this. One of the things that I started to observe was that people were actually during the deep trance that they were in and they would come back and we'd go around the room and everybody would share what their experience was by the eighth and ninth gateways that we were going through, like on the second day, people were actually sharing files while they were in trance. Meaning like sharing information images back and forth. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like one lady shared that a panther had come through, a black panther had walked through. Another woman said, it came and sat beside my foot. A guy across the room said, it came and laid beside me. Wow. How is that happening? So 
esoterically, if we look at the meaning of the Black Panther, and we go into that sort of animal um, understanding, the Black Panther is all about accessing these really deep states. Another time we had bat hmm. showing up in three or four different people. And I'm like, well, bat is rebirth, mm-hmm. you know, symbolically in the, in the, um, hmm. in the animal. It, but that's the symbol that's been given by somebody else. So asking the person, what does the bat mean to you is the mm-hmm. most succinct way to find out what that is. So we started noticing that was happening. And then the other thing that was happening was people were going to such deep states, their uh, breathing was slowing down and they were meditating at levels that were so deep. There's no question they were in theta and delta states, which is very deep, way below sleep way. And we are guiding to those states. That is where we are really not even cognizantly understanding. I asked the neuroscientists I was working with at when I was doing the neuroscience courses, and especially the one I was in at Harvard, I asked them, so where is the mind exactly in the body? Where where does it reside? We don't know. Hmm. Is it local or non-local? We don't know that. They've done studies with uh, people from the blue zones. Are you familiar with this? They're where they they live the longest. Yeah. Yeah. So Costa Rica, the families there that have centurions that people have lived over a hundred years. This one family they were examined, the guy had 68 offspring and he was still living in the center of his family, in the center of his little village. He was 107 years old. He got up every morning, there were his grandchildren, there were his daughters, there was his wife. No, I think his wife had passed, but there was everybody that was around him that was familiar to him. And all of them said, hi, grandpa, good morning, dad, you know, Hmm. and in their language. And the man ate the same breakfast. He did the same chores. He still worked every day. He still had his little things that he did. So I look at what we're doing in North America or the Western world. We are taking highly productive people out of their environment, away from their families, and we're sequestering them in a staging ground. And that staging location is the next step from there. They're not going back. It's the popping off place. Hmm. And so when we look at how we stable or uh, warehouse our elders, we take them out of the environment that keeps them physically active, working in their gardens, um, being with their loved ones on a regular basis. And yes, COVID put a lot of this front and center for all of us. But I look at it and I think um, we've got this all wrong. Yeah, disconnected from the environment. And And they go downhill so fast. Yeah, And, and also susceptible to... My idea is that this this idea that when we get older, we're supposed to get weaker and sicker, that's cultural conditioning in my experience. Because yes. I've seen a documentary about the Costa Rican, the Sincheri, the, the mm-hmm. uh, people that live past 100. Yeah. And it was what, what, 
what I noticed, and it was this, these brothers, it might've been the same people you were talking about and they were over a hundred years old and they, it was almost like they were just human without the baggage of that cultural conditioning of you're supposed to get uh, sick and weak when you get old. I was like, what are you? Yeah. And I've, I've actually recently been thinking about that as I get older, I was like, I've had a little bit of that in my mind and worry a little bit of worry. Am I getting weaker? Am I get? And, and I was like, no, just shift that. What if, and this is a phrase I've actually shared with mom and it's just, we love talking about this stuff, but I've said, what if I asked her this question a few years ago, I said, what if the older we get the stronger and healthier and happier we feel? What if the older we get, the stronger and healthier and happier we feel? This is kind of our mantra question. And you should, yeah. and she's, she's like, oh my God, she's unstoppable. She's gardening and doing physical stuff. And, and I don't know. Well, this is where I feel um, I'm watching, you know, my older sisters go through the um, this is the next stage of life deal sell the house, get rid of all our personal possessions and move into long-term care. Mm. Um, even before we need to, mm. we're just, you know, getting set up so that we've got the emergency backup if we need it. Mm. And it's, I, I just, and then I have an older brother who hasn't bought into that. Oh, interesting. He his house and his wife and he's an artist and he's painting every day. And he likes to tinker with wood. So he has a wood shop and he likes to grow tomatoes and onions. Mm. So he's gardening and he has this little house and he and his wife are doing all these, his grandkids are around him, you know, and he's happy. Nice. He says to me, it's nothing wrong with me. Nothing wrong with me. It's, it's, it's these little things we tell ourselves and how we perceive another thing back to the time thing. I think it's also our perception of time. I'm sure there's been studies on this, but our perception of time might affect the aging process because I actually have a phrase that I, I integrated and I believe it to be true. You know, you know how you hear people say, Oh, time's flying. Time's going by so fast. I was like, no, time slows. I say time slows down when I'm having fun. You know how people say time flies when I'm having fun. I was like, sure. That, that, that's a perception, but no, no, for me, Time slows down when I'm having fun. So I'm wondering if our perception of time will actually uh, affect the aging process or stress levels or whatever. So I think it's going to. I think um, this was was one of the things I wanted to share with you from this week. Harry and I were out. And this is me. My whole time thing is all quite distorted right now. And I'm kind of okay with it. Um, I don't care if it's Sunday or if it's Wednesday. My days are evolving and so um he says to me last week i said to him is is this thursday and he said yep and tomorrow's wednesday <laughs> maybe we're going backwards in time okay i'm there <laughs> and that was the the earlier on in our interview i was the serendipity with the george carlin and you were talking about time and i was like oh i just watched this thing about george carlin and time recently i i was recording a few little guided meditation uh, hypnosis audios for myself. And I, I was playing with time. I thought, what if I imagined the wheel of wisdom? Because, you know, as as time moves yeah. forward, we we learn and we grow. So the wheel of wisdom is still moving forward. But what if that wheel of chronological time, I imagine that kind of slowing down so it doesn't go as fast? Yeah, the wisdom, we're still picking up all the learning and the growth. But yeah. 
And then I imagined that wheel of time. Oh, what would that feel like if that actually kind of, it, it kind of reversed a little bit. We did a meditation a while ago and I saw inside this meditation that time is not linear. It is circular. Hmm. Like put your mind on that. Time is not running in a line. It's actually circular as it moves. And it can, because it's a circle, it can move up and it can move down. And that's how we, you know, and then we move through them. We're in the center channel. So we're in the channel of time. We're, we're there and time is moving around us. So from time to time, from time to time, <laughs> we can be across from a piece of time that we've already been through, that we've already engaged in. And there's the repetition. Wow. Do you want to do it differently this time? Hmm. Here's your opportunity. And here comes another piece. And do you want to do this one differently? And how about this one? And sometimes, all the time words here, um, for me, what has come up in my experience is that these recycling awarenesses of a similar set of circumstances arises. And I'm, it could be different people. It could be a whole bunch of other things. But suddenly I'm realizing, ooh, this has got the same kind of template as that previous time. And I'll think, how can I do this differently? So I kind of pause myself. And in doing so, I stopped time. I put the pause. There's also people who move through time mindlessly. They're not paying attention to time and they're not paying attention to what's going on where they, they're, they're mindless in the moment. And this is not distracted, but can be distracted. I can relate with that. I've, I've found myself in those states and what I find this word came to me in the past few years. I, I like this word, uh, compartmentalize so i will actually compartmentalize okay this for this hour i'm going to be working on my book for this hour i'm going to be paying bills and doing emails for this mm-hmm. hour so just really mm-hmm. visualizing time as compartments that have a certain task that i need to yeah. get done. and that actually has that's reduced the distraction and increased the focus uh for me What I've been doing in the time play as well is paying attention to my state. Mm. If I have to do something I'm not really keen on doing, like the taxes Mm. or um, I don't know, most things I love doing. But if there's like, I, I even love cleaning the house. I love gardening. I love, you know, cleaning the car. There's most things I really enjoy. But when it comes to taxes, I had a strong anchor years ago of just being grisly mm. when I was just in that state of, you know, so I methodically went ahead and changed that. And I did so by adding some um, affirm easy and effortless. This will flow together. It's all coming together easily. I don't really have to do much more than just put it all together. And there it is. And so I'm able to, What's happened as a result of it is earlier than when I have to file the tax, earlier than when I finish the GL, earlier than when I do year end, 
like really now in December, I'm already thinking collate, get my files in order. I'm I'm pre-empting the big crisis by kind of putting things in play before I have to actually do it. Nice. I like this. That's going to be valuable for me. (laughs) Little threads because I want it to be easy and effortless. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and it works. Wow, it works. Like anything that's one of those things that you have a grizz about. um, I don't know. I love seeing my clients. I love working with clients. I love everything. When it comes to the um, navigation of the companies, that's where I need to apply it again now. Because, of course, we have so many things out there that I need to pull it in Mm. and and thread it now so that it starts to make better sense. I feel like the mastery of deep trance states is is an evolution of consciousness. Mm. And I think it's needed now. Mm -hmm. And I think Harry and I can do a book on it, but I also think I would prefer to do it as a, um, as this, like a a podcast. Podcast, audio program, video course. There's, There's, and many different ways but 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 notice the one that draw, draws your attention that was episode number two of the gord faulkner podcast remember if you haven't already check the description of this episode and link over and grab a copy of social confidence made easy 60 transformative questions to help you feel confident be authentic and connect deeply i hope you enjoyed this episode and will enjoy more episodes too